This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. I say bonus podcast. Maybe this is more like the leftovers episode, right? Because we just got done Thanksgiving. And first off, of course, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope you had a great time. Hope you ate way too much and, and enjoyed the people around you, even the ones who maybe drive you a little crazy. Um, but look, we all brought home, hopefully everybody brought home some leftovers or if you hosted at your home, you surely have a bunch. And who doesn't love some leftovers? And that's what we're going to do here. I, I was thinking that, the last podcast I did was you know, before Thanksgiving, and with the game on Monday, it leaves a lot of time without anything. So I wanted to jam in something here before I head out to practice. So I'm talking to you guys on Saturday morning. I'm heading out to Ashburn in a couple of hours to see the latest what's going on. But I thought I would you know, talk to you guys a little bit about you know, just kind of where things are with this team heading in to this game. And obviously, you know, there's, there's some positive signs with regard to Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel returning from injury. I know. I know. I know, with Curtis Samuel, I know. We're not getting our hopes up. We're not going crazy. I'm just saying there's some positive momentum. We'll get into that. Um, also, Scott, here's from Scott Turner uh, yesterday, what he had to say about what's working for Taylor Heineke right now. And in addition, um, for those of you who don't know, I've been uh, doing some occasional co-hosting um, over on 106.7 The Fan here in Washington with my friend Bridget Rolli, who covers the uh, Major League Baseball for the Athletics. She used to be the Washington Nationals beat reporter. Um, we uh, had on, as a guest uh, the other day, Lindsey Jones, uh, NFL senior writer for The Athletic, and that conversation primar- primarily focused on the quarterback search and specifically the veteran free agent market that may be out there for Washington this offseason. So with Lindsey, we talked Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, and Taylor Heineke in the current in the current options here. Um, so it was a fun chat. thought I would share that with you guys here as well. So We'll get into all that in just a moment on the Standing Room Only podcast. You know the deal. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or on the Athletic app. Speaking of the Athletic, look, you know the deal. It's it's Black Friday. Uh, well, I guess Black Friday was yesterday, but you know what I mean. The, the sales are out there. The Athletic is offering this one year, $12. That's $1 a month for those of you who are a little math challenge. Um, and uh, I don't know what else to say. If you've been hesitating about getting the Athletic, I, I, you know, it seems like a pretty easy call there here's how you do it easiest way if you go to the athletic app or if you follow me on twitter click on any one of my articles uh do that and click through you should see the deal there and boom you're done and uh, you know we definitely appreciate it i appreciate it um and uh you know look forward to having more people get on board um what we're doing over on the athletic this week um i've got a couple stories out one is seven ways um or seven things washington needs to do to, to keep this positive momentum going down the stretch and make the playoffs, plus a story on Taylor Heineke. You know, Ron Rivera keeps saying he's inexperienced. At what point does that go away? Discuss that and and more on Heineke uh, over on the Athletic. And I will say, on uh, I believe it's either Sunday or Monday, I'll have a story with David Aldridge also on the quarterback situation. So a lot of quarterback talk, but obviously that's what we do in this town. Um, all right, let's get to a couple things here. I mentioned the injuries. Um, on 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 the on the downer note. Uh, no Sam Cosby, no Tyler Larson as of so at Thursday's practice. So not looking great for either of them. It would it would it would it would appear going into 
Monday's game against Seattle. And obviously, that's one position in which Washington's been able to get by despite so many injuries. I mean, they have now used four different people at center this year, three in the last game. Uh, obviously, Chase Rue out for for the year, and Tyler Larson was the, the backup there. Uh, he I reported the other day that he has a sprained MCL. Um, so we'll see where, where, where things are at with him. Um, you know, Sam Cosme, he just, when he comes back from an ankle injury, he leaves the Carolina game with a hip injury, and Cornelius, Cornelius Lucas stepped in for him. Schweitzer stepped in for Larson. At this point, I, I would think that those two guys are going to, would start against Seattle. And look, obviously that's not a bad scenario. Lucas has been a tremendous swing tackle for Washington. And, you know, Schweitzer's now you know, shown he can play multiple spots. It's a little bit different playing center than guard, but he rated very hard and very high at guard when he's played this year. And he has some center experience in his past. They also have Keith Ishmael, a fifth round pick from last year. So um, they've got some options, but you can also tell them they're a little bit con concerned when you look at their protected players on the practice squad this week three of them were offensive linemen they also added a couple to the practice squad so shoring up their depth uh without without a doubt now as far as the skill players curtis samuel logan thomas I, look it would be insane for me to tell you that curtis samuel will play this week okay but i'm not going to do that I'm not even necessarily going to do that for Logan Thomas, considering, you know, we were sort of given the thought that maybe even a couple weeks ago, he might be on the verge of returning only for then two more games to go by. Um, all that said, again, signs are pointing up for both. Both have been out there the last two couple days that we've been out of practice, um, you know, in, in the open port, which is, you know, you can't always see too much, but at least with the, with the guys who catch passes, you see them running routes. You see their movements. And both guys look, you know, I, I think fairly reasonable. I thought Samuel looked um, you know, even a bit shifty on some of his runs on um, on Wednesday. So positive sign there. Obviously for Logan Thomas, getting him in for a red zone would be huge for Taylor Heineke. They've already shown some growth in that area in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and Heineke was the number one, had the top QB rating um over the last two weeks among quarterbacks with at least two starts in the red zone, uh, he's been far more efficient. And now to get Logan Thomas back would be huge. And as for Curtis Samuel, look, you know, we all know the deal. They brought him in here to be a playmaker. He's barely played, what, 30 snaps over the course of the whole season. They've been able to get by without him for the most part. Terry McLaurin's a beast. He catches every contested pass thrown his way, or certainly it feels that way. And then you have guys like Adam Humphreys, um, Cam Sims, I and mean, DeAndre Carter, three touchdowns, or, or a touchdown in each of the last three games. Dax Milne's been a help. You know, so they've had guys step up and all that. But look, getting Curtis Samuel on the field would be a big change. And that would be a huge element for this offense in theory. And, you know, based on where things have been headed, it's really hard to almost wrap your brain around what a, what a team could look like when you add both of these guys back, particularly Samuel. In any event, things are going well. We'll see what Ron Rivera has to say. It won't stun me if they decide to take it even a little bit, you know, still slow with Samuel. He's only been back in practice for basically just a week at this point. But, again, signs pointing in the right direction to get him back out there, if not this week, then pretty soon it would it would appear we will see um, – we will see how that goes. Um, obviously, the offense has been markedly better 
the last uh, couple weeks, certainly from an efficiency standpoint, since they returned from the um, fr from their bye week. Uh, we had a chance to talk to Scott Turner, as we do every week. We talked to him this week on Friday. Here's what Scott Turner said about what is working for Taylor Heineke right now. Hey, Fine, how's it Scott. going? Doing well. How are How you? you? Doing? Good. What's been the difference for Taylor these last two games? I think, um, you know, for Taylor, um, but also just for our team in general, you know, being able to convert third downs, uh, finishing in the red zone. And then I think Taylor's just playing with confidence. I think the more and more he plays, the more confidence he has. Um, he's been making good decisions. You know, there's been a couple of instances where he's held on the ball a little too long. He took some sacks, um, but he's, you know, he's being decisive. I mean, he's making throws in tight windows, but he's putting it where our guys can our guys can make plays or they end up as, as incomplete passes. Um, but I think just the efficiency uh, has been good, and that's led to points. And then in the red zone, he had a couple games where it wasn't quite as accurate in the red zone. Last two games, a lot more accurate. Has there been any change in him there? Like, what's led to that? No, I don't think it's – I think it's just some stuff came up well for him. Um, you know, I think the decisiveness and just letting it rip and not trying to be perfect, not trying to place the ball, but just throwing it, you know. The offensive line, what has allowed them to continuously play so well despite the injuries there? You know, those guys take a lot of pride in what they do. Um, you know, they're all very prepared. Uh, they're pros, you know, and, you know, we've had guys, young guys who have veterans, but um, unfortunately, you know, we've had guys get banged up and they've had to step in. And, uh, you know, they, as a group as well, too, I mean, they hold themselves accountable. So those guys that come in, like, they don't want to let their teammates down, you know, and they know that there's a high level that they're uh, that they're held to. Our uh, coach Matsko and Travell, you know, they do a great job with those guys and of keeping them prepared, even though if they don't, they're not starting. You know, we played all eight of our guys that were dressed um, played at least one snap, I think, or at least two snaps, I think, um, on offense. You know, not just like field goal. And uh, I think it's just their pr preparedness and just their attitude of not wanting to let their the, their teammates and the overall team down. All right, um, and uh, I I left in a little bonus there on the offensive line as well. That group has been huge for Washington uh, this year. Um, obviously, they're you know winning a lot of the stats, win rates uh, across the line. Charles Leno, and uh, you know obviously with Brandon Scherf and so on. So they are um, just an important group. Duh, they set they're the, they're the tone setters, but obviously they're also helping keep Taylor Heineke afloat, you know, most, not most, but a decent amount of their, of the sacks allowed uh, are coming because Heineke is, you know, kind of holding on to the ball a bit too long. Um, Ron Rivera's pointed that out uh, here and there. And, uh, you know, that's something to work on, but he's become more efficient. And, you know, it, it, it has somewhat changed the equation of how we look at the future here in Washington at the most important position in that it's not so much whether Taylor Heineke is or isn't the answer. Has he done enough that if he has to be the answer, you can feel okay about it? I kind of think the answer is yes at this point, but that's very different than saying this is the ideal or this is going to make anybody feel good. Um, he, to me, has sort of put himself into that category of the Andy Daltons of the Teddy Bridgewaters of the world. But that's, that's very different than saying he's the answer long term. And that's what the conversation we kind of got into here with Lindsey Jones um, our NFL, our senior NFL writer for The Athletic. So I wanted to share some of this conversation, enjoyed it in the moment, and thought it would be a fun one here 
to get into as well. So you'll hear myself and Brick Giroli talking to Lindsey um, from uh, from the other day. This is before the Carolina game uh, on 106.7 The Fan talking about, um, like I said, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Taylor Heineke, and, you know, really just the lay of the land here at quarterback. So let's get into this. Here is my conversation with Lindsey Jones and Brick Giroli on Washington's quarterback scenario. Well, look, Taylor Heineke had a great playoff game against against the Bucks, and he's obviously had another good one against them this past week. But realistically, I think most of us would would believe that the the next year starting quarterback, or at least the long term answer, is probably not on this team. But the question is, yeah, what do they do? Well, last time Britt and I were on, we went through the NFL draft prospects. Now we wanted to talk about the vets. The the interesting players potentially are not the free agent class. We'll get to that in a second. It's the yeah. guys who may spring free from their current spots, including, say, a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Um, w- without getting into the we – well, just take it wherever you want to go, but not focusing on the vaccine stuff from recently, we spent all this offseason about how he's going to want to get out of Green Bay. But here's the thing. Green Bay is winning again, and they're in a really good space yeah. to contend for the Super Bowl again, which leads to the question, do you think Aaron Rodgers at the end of the year is actually going to want to get out and therefore have have a team like Washington have a chance? Yeah, well, I'll say, and I've said this months ago, before everything that happened over the last 10, 10 days, it's a very dangerous proposition to try to put ourselves into Aaron Rodgers' brain because he <laughs> operates on a different scope than just about any anybody else in the NFL, and it's hard to ascribe like typical NFL norms to him, You know, things that typically we would assume or could safely assume was going to happen. It's just it's a very dangerous thing to do um, to do with him. But, you know, but all of that said, um, you know, I think I think all of the reasons that we all thought this is going to be a last dance situation in Green Bay. A lot of those things are still in play when you look at the future contracts that, you know, Devontae Adams is a pending free agent, kind of, you know, his, Aaron Rodgers, like lasting unhappiness with this, you know, with this organization. I think a lot of that stuff is still there. I don't think that stuff necessarily gets mended even if they are the number one seed in the NFC, maybe if they win a Super Bowl. I think what's going to be interesting and what maybe has changed, um, you know, since the offseason or certainly since, you know, July when he reported, is that I think the Packers are going to be much more desperate to keep him. I was at that game in Kansas City that he did not play when Jordan Love was the starter, I guess now almost two weeks ago. And it is somewhat unfair to make a complete judgment on Jordan Love based on one performance. But, it was not great, and it was really jarring to see just how different that team was without Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, if anything, that could change the way that the Packers approach this, what they ask for in return for him, or kind of the the things that they give in to keep him. So, you know, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to get traded. Um, I live in Denver where we're having – all of these exact same conversations about the quarterback position and who could be available. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people in Denver who got their hopes up that Aaron Rodgers was going to be coming here basically all of the off season. And now that things are going South with the current quarterbacks and Teddy Bridgewater, that they're kind of back on that train again. And it's just, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not convinced that he's going to be, but then who else is, is it, is it going to be Russell Wilson? Could Derek Carr become available? Is somebody going to take on, uh, Matt Ryan's contract. It's not quite as an attractive of a group as maybe we've seen um, in recent years. You know, I, it's been kind of rare how many veteran quarterbacks have moved over the 2019 and the 2020 off seasons. But, um, you know, I think we're kind of getting back where 
we might not see quite as much movement. And that's really rough if you're a team like Washington or Denver. Talking to Lindsay Jones here, senior writer for The Athletic NFL. Lindsay, I want to talk about Deshaun Watson because you've been all over covering this. Um, it doesn't seem like teams, it seemed like for a while he was going to maybe be traded. Um, hasn't been traded. He's got, of course, 20 plus allegations of sexual misconduct. Could he be a possibility for the Washington football team? And of all organizations, can this one absorb bringing in a guy like that? Yeah, I mean, I I think he certainly could be. Um, there are just so many kind of contingencies and unknowns, and it's really hard to kind of separate the football from everything that he's going through or not going through, but everything that is surrounding him off the field. Um, and there's a lot of people who kind of try to separate the two and try to just talk strictly about football and draft pick compensation and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, kind of throw out the stuff about, oh, the teams are doing their due diligence into him, which is not possible. I mean, it's, it's one of the more laughable storylines when you hear that, oh, the, the Dolphins have done their own due diligence or whatever team it is. That's just not possible. Like that typically means that they've called former teammates and coaches and they've all said, oh, yeah, he's a great guy. That's it's impossible for teams to actually get a grasp on what's going on with all of these legal cases. Um, but the thing is, is like he's a really good football player. The Texans this offseason are going to be very, very motivated to unload him. And somebody is going to take a risk, and it's only going to take one team. And basically everybody in the league is hoping that there will be some sort of clarity, that there'll just be some sort of either he will have settled all, all, all of the civil cases by next March or and that the grand jury will have decided one way or another whether they're going to charge him or not charge him because that really is going to inform whether Roger Goodell is going to punish him if they're if he is facing criminal charges then he'll go on the commissioner's exempt list he won't be eligible to play um so there's just so much up in the air but you know but i would say washington he should be off limits at this point given that everything that that organization has gone through is still currently going through if they want to show that they are serious about not being the same old washington football team you can't you can't take him on even if he has settled those cases because brett you and i both know this really well. Settling civil lawsuits is not, um, that doesn't mean that bad things didn't happen. It means that, you know, he settled it out of court. So I, I just think it would be a really bad move um, for Washington. I think it'll be a bad move for whichever team does this and races to do it, but especially Washington. Uh, ben Standing, Bridger Oli here from The Athletic here on 1067 The Fan. We're joined by athletic uh, senior writer, Lindsay Jones, who on Twitter is at by Lindsay H Jones. Yeah. And, and like the, the, the reports that were coming out before the trade deadline about there were teams ready to trade for Deshaun, but dot, dot, dot from what I gather was largely preposterous. Nobody would be, everybody would be willing to trade for him, whatever, if all the legal aspects were, were not involved, but they are. And until they get resolved, nobody's going to take that risk to give up. Even if they don't give up a ton of picks, like you, like you're talking about, there's a lot of other risks that go with it, and it's, I don't see that as being a reasonable thing for any team, let alone. I, I yeah, think what, and, the Tex- and the Texans aren't going to just give them up for nothing, right? Exactly. You know, the Tex—they've made that very clear. You know that that they weren't going to take like a discount on him. That they've they've shown that they're willing to just sit him and pay him not to play this year, and that wasn't going to happen anywhere else. So yeah, it was it was always preposterous to think that you know, all of the things would fall into place that needed to happen for him to move by the trade deadline. Like, you know, talking 24 hours, he could settle 22 civil lawsuits. 
that's ridiculous. That was never going to happen. So, so here though, okay. So let's put him aside. You, you've already discussed. We've discussed Rodgers. You mentioned Russell Wilson and Derek Carr is an interesting one. But look, if the Raiders finish strong, then I don't know why they wouldn't want to figure out how to keep him. Which leads into the question of, okay, well, what what do teams like Washington do? Because here's the free agent class in some yeah. order: Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater, who's the Broncos quarterback, who, like you're saying, they may decide they need to bet a better a better player. Jameis Winston, okay, but he's coming off an ACL. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Mariota, you know, Mitch Trubisky. I mean, who who knows what to make of that? It's ben bad. Roethlisberger is a hundred. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, you think the Steelers are going to be in that mix of trying to get a new quarterback? Yeah, I mean, it's there's it's going to be a game of musical chairs where there's only a couple of desirable quarterbacks, and then everybody else is going to be left looking for looking through that group and trying to talk themselves into well, this guy could really fit our scheme or look at how safe he is with the ball and our defense is really good so we can scheme around this and as long as we don't turn over the football or, um, yeah, I mean, teams talk themselves into this kind of stuff all the time. I mean, you, you know, Ben, you've, you've covered that, that organization for a long time. I've covered every iteration of the Broncos trying to do it. I mean, they've talked to themselves over the last few years into Trevor Simeon and Case Keenum and trading for Joe Flacco and now this Teddy Bridgewater and, it never seems to work. So, you know, it really just reinforces um, while I think, you know, quarterback play has largely never been better across the league and there are more good quarterbacks now. um, It's really, it's still really hard to get one of those guys and, you know, it's going to put, make some teams make some really difficult decisions. You know, the Browns have to figure out, you know, do you really want to give Baker Mayfield $40 million a year? But the risk of not doing it is being mixed with all of these other teams that are trying to decide if they want Case Keenum or Teddy Bridgewater or Colt McCoy or whoever it is that, you know, Mitch Trubisky, these kind of mediocre average quarterbacks. Yeah. Talking to Lindsey Jones here, uh, senior writer for The Athletic. Lindsey, I mean, Ben and I were talking, you know, they miss out on Matt Stafford um, this past offseason. And they kind of have to if you're Washington and not saying you need to rank all the teams by you know, who is the most desperate, but you would have to think that this football team, given that they've had, they're probably going to suffer their second losing season here. Ron Rivera really needs to kind of turn this around. They may not have the time to draft a guy and have a rookie kind of learn the system. In your opinion, are they one of the more desperate clubs? Do they have to be even more aggressive because they missed out on Stafford last year? Yeah, they might have to be. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when we're talking about like desperate, desperation rankings and that actually I should write that that sounds like a good story idea um but you know I think they're right up there um the Broncos are up there I think the Panthers are up there um I think a couple of the teams that drafted quarterbacks this year have suddenly been removed from that conversation you know the Bears for example you know they they're a mess for a lot of reasons but they're no longer in that conversation but yeah I mean I think you know, Ron Rivera has just a ton of respect within that building in Washington. He's been given so much power. But at some point, if your team is regressing and you're getting things wrong like that, you know, things, the pressure ramps up and they've got to get that quarterback decision right. So I do think he'll have a little bit more time to time to do that. But, you know, it's, it's really hard to have patience with quarterbacks anymore. And when the free agent class potentially is going to shape up and the trade market the way it is and this draft class not being great, you know, I think the teams that skipped out on the opportunity to draft one this year when it was a pretty strong class, I think I think some of those teams are going to wind up regretting it. So, Lindsay, last question for me at least. So we're going through this list. So unless a Rodgers 
or the Deshaun Watson thing clears up or Russell Wilson or whatever, we're looking at just sort of this motley crew of meh uh, uh, options, right? Which is kind of what Washington has now, except they already know <laughs> what they have. So for, you give us the outside perspective. I don't know how much you were able to watch of Washington's game this week against Tampa Bay, but I'm sure you've seen, you've seen Taylor Heineke play to a degree. You've obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick, a healthy version, play over time. Is there, is there an argument? Is it is it even conceivable that Washington's best path might be to say, you know what, let's just bring the three guys we have now back, maybe draft a guy and let him, if they can, considering the other options. Again, I'm not saying that that's yeah. exciting. Is it is there a world that that's the best path, or do they just have to do something different just to do it? Yeah, I mean, if it's the same coaching staff, you know, I don't think anybody is going to believe in Taylor Heineke as much as Ron Rivera and Scott Turner and that crew that they have right there, or, you know, right there. So, it might be the best option if you miss out, if Rodgers isn't available, if Russell Wilson isn't available, if Derek Carr isn't available. If Matt, and not that I, I don't even think Matt Ryan would necessarily be the right guy, but if one of the top groups of veterans is not available and you don't have the draft capital to move up to get whoever the number one or number two guy is, it might be the best option. Whether you're So you're weighing, okay, do we want to bring back Taylor Heineke? Our defense will be better. They'll be able to talk themselves into – the defense that they were expecting to have this year, right? I mean, those all those guys, for the most part, are going to be back, although now Chase Young will be coming off the injury. So I could see how you would talk yourself into, this is the ceiling. Look how high we can go with this if, if everything falls into place. It's dangerous to do that, but I could see how that ends up becoming the path forward. And I, know, I understand that's probably not that fun if you're a Washington fan and looking to see substantial progress. All right. Um, so there you go. Like I said, We've got a ways to go, and this thing has evolved as, you know, this thing has evolved, and if Washington keeps winning, you know, we'll see where this goes. And speaking of winning, obviously up now, the Seattle uh, Seahawks coming to, coming to FedEx Field on Monday. Um, look, the, the most interesting aspect of this game from a storyline perspective is not Washington. It is what is going on with Seattle, because... You know, it has been a staple basically since Russell Wilson became the starting quarterback that the Seattle Seahawks contend in the NFC. They obviously won a Super Bowl. They were in another one. They are just, we just put them in the playoffs somehow and kind of move on with life. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case this year unless they, you know, they got to win. They got to win on Sunday or that probably is it for them. They're behind Washington in the standings. They're three and seven. And, you know, the talk out of Seattle right now is far less about, the Washington football team this week and more about that relationship between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson to the point that I, I think everybody's trying to sort through what is the deal with their relationship. We remember last off season, Russell Wilson said, Hey, I don't want to be traded, but if I did, here are four teams that I would consider Now Washington wasn't among those teams, but you'd have to wonder, um, you know, would Russell Wilson push that more or look, what, what does Seattle's ownership think here? If things have gone stale, why have they gone stale? Is it time to move on from the head coach at some point as successful as Pete Carroll has been? You know, uh, at some point the players can tune out the message. Or is the Russell Wilson experience going the wrong way? Seattle's got two great receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but they're not producing, as fantasy football players know, at a level expected based on their talents and who they have at quarterback now that Russell Wilson is back. Some of this is definitely on him. Um, he's not been playing great, but something is off there for sure. And this is going to be the storyline, I imagine, on the Monday night broadcast, one that will be discussed 
at some length. So, uh, you know, from the overall game perspective, obviously when you look at season stats, you got to take it all somewhat, uh, you know, you got to eye in a little bit on what's been happening lately, but some just some numbers for you that, that kind of stood out um, to me. You know, Washington's defense has obviously been improved um, over the last couple of games, and yet, you know, improved is all relative. They're winning the time. Washington is winning the time of possession battles because the offense is improved on third down. They're moving the chain. They're having these long, sustained drives, which is keeping their own defense off the field. I don't wouldn't necessarily say that the defense has suddenly become a lockdown defense or anything. But being a little bit fresher has helped. Um, but again, you know, Cam Newton certainly had a, a good a, a, a good productive day um, last week, as did Christian McCaffrey. But the point here is that when you look at a couple of stats, one, one, one cross stat stood out to me. Washington overall still ranks 31st in red zone defense. Teams have been scoring 46.9% of the time. Seattle 6th in offense, 667 so if Russell Wilson's able to, you know, get the ball into that space, you know, with his legs, um, you know, that that is a problem. Now, of course, Seattle's without running back Chris Carson. He's now out for the year. Uh, so that takes away a weapon on the ground for them. And I think that's been part of their issue. Not a consistent enough ground game to, to have defenses worry enough so they can focus less on the receiving game. But nonetheless, um, something to keep an eye on uh, there. And with regards to Russell Wilson, you know, I was wondering last week about Cam Newton. Would he have the legs to take advantage of Washington's uh, ends, you know, in read options or, or things along those lines, RPOs, what have you? He did have the one run for a touchdown, but it didn't feel like he really turned the corner. It was just a lane there, and he just kind of ran straight through it. It didn't feel like he was able to turn the corner, though, whether that was he lacked the speed or didn't want to deal with contact just as he's returning to the league. Um, I'll be curious to see where we're at with Russell Wilson, though, because he definitely historically has the, the wheels to get outside, and Washington's ends have been a little susceptible to um, falling for, you know, inside handoffs or fake inside handoffs, um, and by, I'm including the guys who are out currently on the field, like James Williams. So something to keep an eye on there. Um, on the other side of the ball, Seattle is uh, 30th in yards, and 24th in points per game at 19.4. Uh, they have just not been doing anything. Their offense doesn't look as interesting as what as what Washington has seen the last couple of weeks. And yet, obviously, they've got the weapons, as we discussed with the receivers. On the defensive end, Seattle's uh, been a bit of a mess. 31st in yards allowed, 401.8 per game. Uh, specifically bad on pass defense, where they rank 30th. But top 10 in third down percentage and red zone percentage. So... They, they seem to tighten up in some of the money spots, but they've been also susceptible to some big plays and uh, just overall giving up way too many yards. That lead kind of boom is long gone uh, for sure. So um, so let's call it there. Uh, definitely appreciate everybody checking out the podcast. As always, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or listen on the Athletic app, and you can subscribe to read my work on The Athletic. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig. Um, more to come. Um, well, there's a game on Monday night. I will be there. Uh, be ready to discuss what, what we saw there. More podcasts coming up this week for sure. But that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.